questions about those, please feel free to stop. On the back table today, we've been in the series, the Journey series, and uh, on the back table today is the final book in this series that we're actually going to use next week. Um, I gave it to you this week because there's a chance that some of you may be traveling for the, the Resurrection Sunday next week for Easter holiday. And so if you're not going to be here, I put those out there so you can pick them up now. These books, I hope you bring with you every Sunday. Okay, The first three books that you got, or books two and three, were devotion books. These were things that uh, I hope that you've been reading along with us through these days uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to use that information to mold and shape your heart. Um, but we really haven't used them on Sunday morning. These we're going to utilize a little bit more in the Sunday service. So bring them back with you next week. Uh, the book should be available on the table in the back. And uh, these, as I've said, books two and three are meant to be discipleship books that you can use with someone that you lead to Christ to help them get grounded in their faith. And so there are extra copies on the table in the back, or if you need additional copies, you can always see me, excuse me. And so we're going to be walking through some of these same topics over the next uh, several months together. And so last week, uh, I put up a, a star. If you want to throw that star up on the screen, the four points that basically come out of this discipleship series are this concept of connecting with God or loving God, connecting with the body of Christ or uniting with believers, connecting with the world or serving the world, is what we're going to talk about today, and then connecting with the kingdom or entrusting with the gospel. And so they use these four terms, and they're going to be um, cyclical. We're going to continue to talk about these things. We're going to come back over them. Um, this booklet We'll go over each of those topics again and again and again. And we're not going to just do one every week. Uh, some weeks we may spend two or three weeks on one of the topics. And some weeks we may go uh, just one week on that topic. So it's not going to be a 14-week series. I have no idea how long we're going to go on it. And uh, we've also got some guest speakers that are going to be coming, some global partners that are going to join us uh, during that. And so we'll take breaks from it as well. But that's going to be the book that we use over the next couple of weeks. Last week... I put this, these, these four things I put in restoration terms. And so the, four, the three tables that we talked about last week, the table of intimacy, um, that's what we talked about. Loving God, connecting with God, it's the table of intimacy. Everything else comes from this table. There is a table that he prepares every moment of every day for us. It's the invitation that Thaddeus talked about. And the thing is, is you can go through your day and you can have a daily devotion and then go the rest of the day and not be at the table of intimacy. Sometimes we get in this, this mindset that we're supposed to be in the scripture every day. So we, we do our daily devotions and then we move on with our day. We're never supposed to leave the table of intimacy. We are to sit at the table of intimacy all day long. And that's why I said at some point you have to remind yourself to just breathe in and remember that he is with us. The table of intimacy is a place of identity. It's where we get our identity from. Many of us get our identity from our work or from our ministry or where we're serving. And so when things aren't going well at work, our identity suffers. Or when people aren't praising us for what we're doing, we, we, our identity begins to suffer. We, we find that maybe our our, our Self-esteem gets a little bit lowered. But the table of intimacy is where he breathes on us, where he reminds us of our identity as his children. And so you and I have to learn to daily create space 
at the, the, in our lives so that we can literally sit at this table all day long. We talked about the disciplines that we have to choose sometimes to create that space. But it's not about just discipline. It's about sitting at his feet all throughout the day. We talked last week about the table of brotherhood in Christ Jesus, connecting with the body of Christ. If we are not connected with the body of Christ, I would say we're not connected with the head. Because if you and I are learning to sit at the table of intimacy, we're going to get his heart for the body. It's his body. He gave his life for it. And it's easy for us to say, well, you know, church isn't what a church is supposed to be, or believers, there's so many hypocrites in the church. There were hypocrites in the church when Jesus died. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you and I are hypocrites, and every time we go into his presence, we get mercy. And the problem isn't I have to force myself to connect to the body. The problem is I need to connect to the head so that I get his heart for the body, which leads me to connect to the body. And as we talk today about the sitting at this table of brotherhood, the Amajo Day, the fact that God has created all people in his image. We're not talking about, oh, I, I have to force myself to share the gospel. I have to force myself to go tell my neighbors. It's not about doing activities. It's about sitting at the table of intimacy so that we get his heart for people, his perspective of people, so that you and I, so that it flows out of us to others. And as we talk about it, I, I don't want this to just be a, a list of things that we have to do or a list of things that we need to add to our lives. When we talk today about serving the world, that's, that's what I titled the message. It's just serve the world. Serve the world. That's, that's our calling. But it comes from the table of intimacy. And the danger is, if you hear this message and say, okay, I've got to go do this, without understanding that your place has to be in his presence so that this is a byproduct of our connection to him. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. But if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you learn to stay connected to me, you will bear much fruit. This is the concept that we're going to continue to, to go over, and that's why I put it in a circular form. And so before we dive into this message today, Serve the World, if you want to throw up the title screen, um, we're going to, if you've got your Bible, we can, we've been reading through Ephesians and we're going to read our last chunk that I'm about to read today. And I want to start where we left off last week, verse or chapter four, verse 17. And I want to read all the way over through chapter five, verse 21. Whew, that's a big chunk of scripture, but I want to read it because I really feel like Ephesians really talks about this idea of who we are, identity in Christ, sitting at his table, connecting with the body of Christ, connecting with the world, and it's going to flow out. Uh, I think what I'm going to share today is going to flow out of this. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. They eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Okay, so the Gentiles in this sense are not the Gentiles that have joined the church that we talked about earlier. These are Gentiles in the world, people who just completely reject God. So this is... One thing in the church world, when people invent new ways of sinning, don't be shocked. 
The Bible says that's what they're going to do. This is how people live apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, this is how you and I live. Don't get this idea that you and I are better than them. We're not better than them. We're not smarter than them. We don't have more common sense than them. We have the Spirit of God. That's why you and I think differently. And when we look down on people that are practicing this, because we're better than that, we have a misunderstanding. We need to get back to the table of intimacy where the Father reminds us that without Him, this is who we are. He is the one that remakes us. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and its former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Well, that's pretty simple. Stop telling lies. Let all of us tell our neighbors the truth. We are all parts of the same body. Don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Okay, anger's not the sin. How we respond to the anger is the sin. Anger is an emotion that sometimes we can't control. But we can always control our response through the Spirit. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives the devil a foothold. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work. Then give generously to those in need. So it's not about, I, I just, I don't want to, I'm going to focus, okay, I'm a thief, so I, I have to, I, I can't sin. I don't want to steal. 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 Don't just focus on not, not stealing, because if you focus on not stealing, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to stir up the desire to steal. So Paul says, quit stealing, but instead work hard, earn stuff, and then be generous. Give. If you want to break the, the power of stealing off of your life, earn wages by doing good hard work, and then learn to give and be generous. That breaks the power of sin in our lives. And here's the thing. You've been given the Spirit of God to empower you to do it. Praise God, Pastor Tom. That's a great word. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let every word you say be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow on God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us. He offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. These things ha have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure no impure, immoral, impure, or greedy person will ever inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine 
what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Now, he's not talking about go around and make it your job to expose all of the people's sin. He's saying in your life, If there's evil within you, expose it to the light. Confess it. Get it out in the open so that you can have it out. Okay? It's not about exposing other people. We're about exposing what's in our hearts so that we can be pure before Him. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Okay? That's not us. God will do that. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So... Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't just go through your day, oh, whatever happens today is going to happen. Be thoughtful in what you do. Don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes on and he talks about relationships between wives and husbands and children and parents and fathers and their children and slaves and masters and how we should live in relationship with one another in that submitted way. But what I want you to hear is this section tells us it matters how we live. It matters how we live. And sometimes there's this disconnect. When I'm in church, I act one way. And when I'm not in church, I act another way. I mean, as a pastor, you get this all the time. I mean, don't talk like that. The pastor's here. Put away the bad language and the bad stuff. The pastor's here. Can I tell you something? If, it was, if you didn't put it away when Jesus was there, don't put it away when I show up. But that's a cultural thing. We think that we shouldn't talk a certain way in front of the pastor. Can I tell you? If you're a child of light, you shouldn't talk that way at all. Put away that type of language. It has no place in your life. And that's not to put shame and guilt on you, and, but it's to say, expose that to the light. And I pray that this week, when our words come out of our mouth that are not building other people up, that the Holy Spirit brings this back to our minds so that you and I in that moment have a choice to say, Holy Spirit, that has no place in my life. That came out of my mouth. Your word says that's in my heart. I want you to get it out of me. That's not kingdom. That's not child of light. I, I don't want it there. But it is there. Don't blame your boss. Don't blame your coworkers. Don't blame your spouse or your kids. It's in you. And you want to confess it. Bring it into the light so that he can remove it from us. See, worship doesn't stop at 11.30 on Sunday. Worship is what we do all week long. And if, you know, it's easy for us to say, well, the Bible said the world's going to reject Jesus and the world's... Maybe the world is rejecting Jesus because they don't see Jesus in us. Praise God, Pastor Tom. That is a challenge that I am going to pick up this week. In day one of our devotion this week, if you remember the guy who was, was, he was pushing back, he didn't want to serve Christ. But because his boss, because the guy that was in charge of them swept his own office because he didn't lord it over the other people that were under him this man gave his heart to the lord 
Because he had never seen someone who had authority to make other people do stuff, but didn't use that authority. And isn't that the same thing that Jesus said to us? The Gentiles in, in, that are in authority will lord it over others, but it shouldn't be that way with you. By your lifestyle, by living as a servant, if you will, serving the world, that helps, us, helps people see the kingdom of God in our lives. And so there's three words I want to focus on today. Let's see how much time I have to focus on them. Okay, three words that I want to focus on that I want us to pray this week. Holy Spirit, help us to see these things as we go out into the world and as we, we sit at the table of brotherhood with people that don't know Jesus Christ but have the image of God stamped on them because they've been created in the image of God, as we interact with them this week, help us to understand our purpose, our perspective, and help us to understand per- perseverance. The word purpose is about our design. Why are you here? I don't mean why are you here right now. Why are you wherever you are? Why are you in the family that you're in? Why are you in the, the job that you're in? Why are you in this church? Why are you in here on South Dakota? Some of you may think that you're here because you chose to be here, but I will tell you from before the foundation of the world, there's a God in heaven that knew you would be right here, right now, in every situation that you're in. He knew where you would be working. He knew where you'd be attending church. He knew who you'd be married to. He knew who your kids would be. He knew who your neighbors would be. And he has planted you where you are. Now, you may not be here forever. You may not be in that job forever. You may not be in this church forever. You may not live in Huron forever, but you're here now. And while you're here, be here. Be here. There's there's an old saying that just says, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Oh, if I could just get a different job, things would change. False. If I could just get a different spouse, things would change. False. There is a God in heaven that has placed you where you are and he can breathe on you in this moment and he can empower you in this moment. He is the one that orders and orchestrates the events of this world. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand, beforehand, when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. Before one of our days came to be, every one of our days were written in his book, is what David tells us in the Psalms. In Ephesians chapter 2, we're told we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Can I tell you, God has had, He has had plans for this week and your life from before the foundation of the world. That should be more exciting than that. Before the world was founded, he saw this week and he purposed it for you. That doesn't mean everything that happens to you this week is going to be his purpose. But he saw it all and he has put you here. He's empowered you and you can live on purpose this week. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Your good deeds are not supposed to bring praise to you. They're to bring praise to your father. 2 Timothy chapter 1, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. That word holy just means a set-apart life. And he did this 
Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us the grace through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The enemy will use doubt. He will use unbelief. He will use fear and frustration and bitterness to get you off your purpose. Are you, should you even be in this church? Should you even be in this job? Should you even be in this town? I mean, this town is so, so stupid. This town is so dumb. This town can't do anything right. This town... This town is where God placed you on purpose. Not so that you could complain about it or expose its darkness, but so that you could be light. Praise God. Live on purpose. This is the crazy thing. Missions organizations do this all the time. They live intentionally. They go into a culture when you're a missionary and you, you just you want to build a platform for the gospel. And so you start serving people and you start loving people and you're there on purpose. You know you've been called to be there. You know you're there for a reason. Can I tell you? You have been called with a purpose. You are a missionary right here in Huron, South Dakota and God has marked this moment for you. And he's going to breathe on you all week long. There's an invitation every moment of every day to come into his presence to get the mercy and grace you need for your workplace, for your home, for everything. But you got to live on purpose. We cannot act thoughtlessly. It has to be purpose. Here's the thing. I want us to be a, a, a body of believers that are servants. I don't want us to just be I don't want us to just serve. You know, there's a difference between serving as an activity and being a servant. Like, I don't want you to come to our trunk or treat downtown and, and be like a, a servant at the trunk or treat and serve the community in that way. And then when you go into like businesses in town to, to act all entitled and self-righteous and condemning of other people. I don't want you to go into your workplace and be like, I, you know, I, that person over there, I just can't believe them. Yeah, that worship leader, oh, why do we have to sing the same songs every week? Can't they practice more? I wonder why people don't ever attend our church or a church when the people around, they, they don't hear the good things. They hear the, I want us to be servants. And if, here's the thing, if you look around your life and you're like, it's marked by complaining and not by serving and it's marked by entitlement, Holy Spirit, I'm, I need to connect to you because I can't do this. I don't want to just try to muster up the willpower to change. I need to connect to you in a way that you help me see my purpose. That's why I said this week, you got to stop, you got to breathe and you got to say, Holy Spirit, I need to see purpose today. That's not all we need to see. We need to see perspective. We need to see perspective. We need to understand that we have been called to be servants because He is a servant. Imitate God. We read it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God in everything you do because you're His children. Wherever you work, how would Jesus work there? You know the old bracelets we used to wear? What would Jesus do? You don't need a bracelet, but if you do, tattoo it on your arm. WWJD, so that everywhere you go, I am not my own. I'm a child of God. Here's how I want to react, but how would Jesus react in this moment? And I breathe him in and I say, give me the perspective to see how you would respond to this. In Matthew chapter 20, 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, yes, Jesus came to do that so you and I could walk in freedom. But can I tell you, He came as the second Adam, meaning He came to show what the first Adam was supposed to do all along. In the way of the kingdom, the kingdom is about not what's better for me. The kingdom is about what's best for the king and what's best for his subjects. And Adam was put in the garden to have dominion over the garden, to rule and reign over the earth, and to display the glory of God to all creation. But Adam chose what was better for him. He chose the fruit because the fruit was going to make him like God. Jesus came and he rejected that path even though he was God. Do you see the irony here? Adam was created in the image of God. He chose to try to be like God. God himself decides to put himself in human form and lay aside the rights and privileges as God so that he could give his life for us, not just so that we could have life, but so that we could be, he could be a model for us to know how to live. That is incredible. That's some good stuff right there. In day six of our devotion this week, I put a, a, a quote from day six. Listen to this. Is sharing Christ a privilege or a right? In America, we're quick to tell people our rights. We have the right to free speech. We have the right to assemble and worship. We have the right to peacefully gather and protest. Our rights are protected and vigorously defended. And while I'm extremely grateful for the rights we enjoy, I'm afraid that the church, I didn't write this, has mistaken rights for privileges. In a recent poll, Americans were asked to give their first impression when they hear the word Christian. The top three responses were judgmental, condemning, and hypocritical. Not exactly a raving review. Americans have picked up on the fact that Christians speak through our rights, not our actions. He goes on, we boycott businesses for unbiblical stands. We protest abortion clinics because of the destruction of life. We march against gay rights. We petition Congress for dry counties. We demand that prayer be returned to schools. But the entire time, the driving force is... We have the right to speak. We have the right to protest. We have the right to share our views. Legally, we have the right. Practically, we may have lost the privilege. Sharing Christ is a privilege. We find no accounts in Scripture of Jesus demanding to be heard. He didn't need to. Instead, Jesus healed the hurting then shared the message. He touched the helpless and then taught about the kingdom. Christ's acts of service opened doors for discussion. Now, I don't believe the author is saying that there's never a time to petition or, or use our rights or to protest certain things for injustice sake. I don't believe that's what he's saying. But he's saying if our perspective is our rights and not laying down our lives and the privilege of taking the gospel to people, 
what's going to happen is the people that we actually have been called to reach, the perspective is going to start making them our enemies, not our mission. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 through 26, the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights. <laughs> That's some good advice right there. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. He must be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Somebody prayed this this morning as we were praying, that we would learn patience with difficult people. Gently instruct those who impose the truth. Listen, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Remember, the people we're protesting against are captives. Mm. It's not just about securing rights for somebody else, but it's about trying to get that person free also. How we do it matters. This last week, there was a shooting in Nashville where a transgender woman went into a school and shot some students. It's a tragedy. And yet social media implodes with all kinds of comments from good-meaning Christian people about the tranny who shot up the school in Nashville. Can I tell you that transgender person is as much a captive and is probably in a worse condition today than the people she shot. We have to be careful how we engage in these conversations. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City, and Tim Keller is quoted as saying this, Cities have more of the image of God per square inch than any place on earth. Praise God, I always knew it was true. <laughs> Cities have more of the image of God per square inch than any place on earth. Why? Because the people made in his image who have been taken captive by the enemy exist there. And yet you and I sometimes say, oh, this is God's country. In nature, in the trees, in the, the mountains, on, at the ocean. Is, is it beautiful? Absolutely. Is the presence of God there? Can you see the handiwork of God? Absolutely. His word says we can see it. But the question is, do we see it in the image of, of people created in His image? These are His image bearers. And oftentimes our perspective is frustration, anger, bitterness, rage. The very things that we were just told in Ephesians to throw off. You and I need a perspective to see that they're captives. Does that mean we shouldn't tell them that that's sin? No, we have to, sure, we have to say sin. But we have to do it from the perspective of seeing them as captives, not enemies. It's hard. I know, it's hard. Well, the last P, I got to get to it, is perseverance. It's perseverance. 
Can I tell you, the, the right purpose, the right perspective can only come from the table of intimacy. If we connect to the Father, we will start seeing the image of the Father even in broken people around us. If, if I see people through the lens of frustration and anger, I need to get with the Father and say, Father, I need to see what you see. I need to see what you see. Because can I tell you something? You frustrate people too. Yep. You're just as bad as the person that you're condemning in your head, in your mind. You are. Except for the grace of God, that's you and I. We're the exact same. And that's the perspective we get when we sit with the Father. And yet in that moment, when we were so imperfect, while we were his enemies, he lavished love on us. He gave his life for us. The question is, are we willing to give our lives for those people that frustrate us? That's going to take perseverance. In Hebrews chapter 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, some of us need to throw off things that are stirring up frustration. There are certain podcasts that if you listen to a podcast and it doesn't cause you to see the image of God in other people, shut it off. If watching CNN and Fox News is not causing you to see the image of God in the people he has created, shut it off. Well, Pastor Tom, how will I know? Let the Spirit of God reveal it to you. Because it's hindering you in what he's called you to do. In the perspective that he wants you to see. In James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, Even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. See, if we're going to walk in this community on purpose, if we're going to walk in this community with the type of perspective that says, he was a servant, I'm a servant, that I'm going to see people in the image of God the way Jesus did when he walked the earth, he looked upon the people and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. If I'm going to have that perspective, then it, it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me some rights. It's going to cost me some privileges. It's going to cost me some energy. It's going to cost me some time. It's going to cost me some, maybe some wounds. It's going to make me have to, have to bite my tongue. It, it's going to cost me something. If Jesus himself had to learn through suffering, how much do you and I need to learn that? We've got to learn to have his perspective. His perspective. We've got to have his perspective on success. Most of us give up because we're not seeing results. We're not seeing results. Can I tell you that a seed, before it ever sprouts out of the dirt, is growing a whole lot? It's putting down roots, it's stretching out, and then it pops up out, and you can begin to see it. And some of us give up because we don't see anything popping out of the soil. Because we don't trust that God's at work beneath the surface. Trust that He is at work. Our call is to be faithful, not successful. 
Oh, Pastor Tom, I, I tried that with my coworker, but it just didn't work. <laughs> you weren't supposed to try it. You were supposed to do it till it worked. I tried that with my kids, but it just didn't. You weren't supposed to try it. You were supposed to do it until it works. You're supposed to be at the table of intimacy, learning the purpose, the perspective, and gaining the perseverance you need to continue to do it. What if they crucify me? I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, we talked about perseverance. It goes on and says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. How many of us in this room have shed our blood? We've been physically beaten or we have been bruised or we have been cut open. We have bled for the kingdom of God. Anyone? Are we willing to? If we're not, you and I need to get to the table of intimacy and say, Father, I need your purpose, I need your perspective, and I need your perseverance. And so, Father, that's what we need today. We need your perspective, we need your purpose, and we need your perseverance. I want you just where you are to just get, get yourself in whatever position you need to to be alone with the Lord for just a few moments. I want you to posture your heart in such a way that says, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me today. I need you to show me what I need to see today. This last week in our devotion, they talked about pride. They talked about how pride is really, for most of us, the problem in our lives. It's the idea of entitlement. It's why we, we get frustrated in a, in a place of business when someone is being more incompetent than we think they should be and we have to wait longer than we think we should have to wait. That's, that's a form of entitlement. That's a form of pride in our lives. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, today wants to do a perspective shift in some of our lives. For some, it might be understanding purpose. Maybe you've been doing a lot of complaining about where you work. Maybe you've been doing a lot of complaining. Maybe it's about our church. Maybe it's about another church. Maybe it's about a church you went to in the past. Maybe it's about your parents. Maybe it's about your kids. Maybe it's about your spouse. And you've been looking for a different season. If I could just get a different job, if I could just get a different... And the Holy Spirit today says, if you would just take a different perspective, if you would just recognize that where you are, I have put you. You may not be there forever, but you're there right now. And in, in this moment, what do I need to learn, Holy Spirit? What do I need to learn? There are times in people's lives where they get promoted too quickly. Where they try to push a door open that shouldn't be pushed open yet. 
because they didn't learn what they needed to learn in the previous experience. And so they moved into that other experience and they, they didn't have the character that they needed for that place. And as a result of it, they fall. This happens a lot of times, especially in ministry, where people very quickly will, will gather a large crowd around themselves and they're just not ready to handle it yet. They just don't have the type of character they need. They don't have the support system that they need. They don't have people around them that are going to actually get in their face and make sure that they're living in a, in a humble posture. And a result of it, the fall is terrible. And the thing is, is that's the danger for each and every one of us, no matter what position or where we are in life, is that I'm not learning in this season what I need to learn. I'm not recognizing that God has put me here in this moment for this purpose. And so for some of us today, it might be just a renewed sense of purpose that God has put us here. For some, it might be perspective. The idea of being a servant. Maybe there's a level of entitlement or pride that needs to be stripped off your heart. Maybe it's how you see other people. I try not to go to Facebook pages of church members because I don't want to be guilty of maybe using you as an example. But some of the stuff that we post on social media about those who have been taken captive by the enemy to do his will is not going to bring them into the kingdom. so for you, maybe it's a perspective change. Maybe it's seeing people in the image of God that all week long, maybe you've just criticized and condemned and complained about. And the Spirit of God today is saying, you need to see them through my eyes. You need to see the potential. You need to see them as one taken captive. You need to start to get a heart so you can intercede for them to have the the chains broken off of their lives so they can find freedom and they can live for the purpose that I've called them to live. We need to be speaking life and hope and peace. Freedom. We need to be interceding. We need to be people of prayer, breaking the strongholds off of those that have been taken captive by the enemy so they can see clearly to receive the message of the kingdom. That's our commission. That's our perspective. For some, it's perseverance. Maybe you just gave up. And maybe as you're sitting here today, you say, you know, I didn't even realize I gave up. I used to do that stuff. Why don't I do it now? Why don't I sit at the table of intimacy anymore? Why don't, why don't I see people through the, the lens that I used to? How did I get here? And for each of us today, whatever lens needs to be shifted in your mindset, the response is still the same, to acknowledge it before God. God, this has no place in my life. I need a different perspective. I need to see purpose again. I need grace for perseverance. And it really comes from Him. And so as I pray at the end of this service today, I want to pray over all of us today a prayer of blessing, a grace, of mercy. But I want you, whatever the Holy Spirit's revealing to you, 
I want you just to acknowledge it before him. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive it. But if we don't acknowledge it before him, that something needs to change in our lives, if we don't come humbly before that throne to say, Holy Spirit, I need a perspective change, then nothing happens today. Imagine the most powerful being in the entire universe, the God of heaven, in this moment being hindered just by our refusal to acknowledge we need Him. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment today that you'd show us what needs to change. If we need to be reminded of purpose, if we need a perspective change, if we need perseverance, Holy Spirit, speak plainly and clearly to our hearts today. Thank you for the mercy that we're going to receive in this moment. God, I pray against any guilt, any shame, any condemnation that would try to to rest upon us today. God, as we acknowledge to you where we've fallen short, your word says that you come and you meet us in that moment with mercy and with grace, with empowerment. God, you're going to empower us this week to see differently, to live on purpose, to have your perspective, to persevere. Holy Spirit, give us grace to walk this out. Give us your heart for this community. God, give us your heart for this world. Break us. Strip away complacency and apathy from our hearts. Strip away the frustration, the entitlement, the pride. Help us to begin to feel what you feel for the lostness of this world today. God, break our hearts for the things that break your heart. Holy Spirit, don't let us leave this place unchanged. Remind us this week. When we try to go back to a different perspective, when we try to to act thoughtlessly and not live in that purpose, remind us of who we are. Bring us back to that place of intimate connection with you again. To see from your perspective. To walk in your purpose and to persevere until the end. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you haven't had a chance to be prayed for today and you want someone to pray with you uh, for any need that you have, our prayer team will be available after the service as well today. I want to encourage you to stop by the table in the back. Uh, If you haven't picked up your journey books, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Offering baskets are out there for global outreach and tithes and offerings, calendars, uh, all kinds of information about our church and the things that are upcoming are there as well. Uh, Talk to one of our hosts if you don't see what you're looking for or find me. I'll be in the lobby as well. Thanks for being here today. God bless you as you go.